I want to talk with you about the apostolic burden, and it's a burden that all Christians should uh, feel, ought to feel. It's not just um, something for the apostles to have dealt with and to feel, but it's something that we all should carry. And uh, I think with all the distractions of life and all the uh, pressures on raising a family and, and, um, and all the routine that happens in our churches, where church oftentimes, quite frankly, becomes just a, a box that gets checked off for the week after Sunday morning. And um, uh, we, we tend to be uh, oblivious to the burden of caring for all the churches. Now, I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul is dealing with a lot of the chaos and confusion that's coming, and the attacks on his person and on his uh, apostolic credentials from these false teachers who have come into Corinth and who are, in fact, preaching another Jesus other than the apostolic Jesus, the true Jesus. They're, they're operating out of a different spirit than the Holy Spirit. And they're promoting, therefore, a different gospel than the gospel of Christ. And, and they're doing it successfully. And in fact, he says that the church at Corinth was actually putting up with it quite easily enough, which is shocking to our ears. Um, but is it really? He says in verse 4, uh, what you did not accept, you bear this beautifully. The Cor Corinthians were quite content to let these men come in and preach another Jesus, promote a different spirit, operate out of a different spirit, and um, even preach a different gospel than that which Paul had operated out of and preached. And they were okay with it. And in fact, they had turned their eyes uh, to towards Paul in suspicion. They had begun to question, well, you know, maybe these guys are right. Maybe these are the real apostles. And Paul was just... He's just kind of a crank. He's, after all, his, his, his physical appearance is unimpressive and his speech is clumsy. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they've got the, the real gospel, not Paul. And so Paul is appealing to them to recognize who these people are. And, and so he begins to lay out his own apostolic credentials. He says, for example, um, Verse 21, to my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison. But in whatever respect anyone else is daring, I speak in foolishness. I'm just as daring myself. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's seed? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors, and far more imprisonments, in beatings without number, and frequent danger of death. Five times I've received from the Jews forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, rivers dangers from robbers, Dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, 
dangers in the desolate places, dangers on the sea, dangers from false brethren. I have been in labor and hardships and many sleepless nights, in starvation and thirst, often hungry, in cold and without clothing. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is made to stumble without my burning concern? End quote. The apostolic burden that drove Paul to endure all of that hardship was his concern for all the churches. And what was his concern? His concern was massive, folks. It was massive because all that was at stake was the redemption of humanity as promised to Abraham in Genesis 15. And as worked out throughout redemptive history. And it was threatened by the unfaithfulness of Israel but was fully fulfilled and redeemed in the faithful Jew, Jesus of Nazareth, the seed of Abraham. And so the promise to Abraham that through him all nations would be blessed, essentially saying through you, Abraham, everything that happened with Adam, everything that Adam did and all the wreckage that he created in humanity is going to be reversed. And in Galatians 3.16, Paul makes it clear that Jesus is that seed, singular seed, through which God will redeem and has, in fact, redeemed humanity. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, we, he goes on to explain how that this humanity is a new humanity where there is neither Jew nor Gentile, but a new humanity after the image and model of the risen Christ. And that the Spirit has been given to work that redemption in us and to restore us and to create for God's glory a people who, after the model and image of Christ, bear the glory of God, bear his character, and share his glory and his, his character in our interpersonal relationships with one, one another within community. So the, the redemption, all of God's redemptive purposes, is what was at stake. You can't have a different gospel and have all of God's redemptive purposes that he uh, developed and, and designed from before the foundations of the world and which have been fulfilled in Jesus and are being empowered and applied by the Spirit at Pentecost. You can't have that being worked out if, in fact, at some point down the road, the churches are adopting then a different gospel. And so the apostolic burden, and one that we should all share, is to first of all, to fully understand the gospel. 
Now, I suspect that most of you to whom I'm speaking are Christians. And most of you understand what I mean when I say the gospel. But I would suspect also that there's a good share of you who simply do not. If you're still thinking the gospel is that Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, then you've, you've, you've come short. <laughs> if you're still thinking that the gospel is that Jesus died for you so you could go to heaven, then you're, you're coming short. That's not the whole counsel of God. That's not the, that's not the gospel. That is a pared-down, uh, reduced, reductionist form of the gospel that has been developed in the last 50 years in order to market Jesus better to a seeker-sensitive uh, culture. But the gospel, when we speak of the gospel, I want to remind you briefly here that what we're speaking of is God's eschatological salvation. Meaning, the judgment that awaits at the final day, the final judgment, God has brought into human history, into the middle of human history, and put on his son at the cross. And that the resurrection was God's affirmation and acceptance of that atoning sacrifice. And a new creation, the beginning of a new creation in his resurrected body. And with the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost, a new era had begun. The new covenant era had begun. And so God's eschatological salvation as affected by Jesus Christ, resulting in the eschatological community we call the church, living out the life of the future, the new heaven and the new age, the new earth, the new, the new age to come, in the present, by the power of the Spirit, as they await the final consummation. It's massive. <laughs> But it, it's, it's also transformational. It's also uh, the, the, the key. It's also the point upon which we find righteousness, peace, and joy. I'm always stunned as a pastoral counselor how many Christians suffer an absence of righteousness, peace, and joy. Most Christians today are living with a good deal of anxiety and depression and fear. Trauma, even. And they're good troopers, some of them. Some of them get up every Sunday and go to church and they fulfill their pledge and they, they go through the motions. But they're, they're not hearing the gospel. And that's a burden to my heart. I think I would invite you here to begin to slow down long enough to feel the apostolic burden, the concern that you ought to have for the integrity of the gospel and for the integrity of the churches as the people of God, marked out by the Spirit and walking in love unconditional love for the Father and the Son and by the Spirit showing 
sacrificial love and mercy in good deeds towards each other. That's the church. And if you're experiencing something less than that, then that ought to be a burden to you. Perhaps you're one of those whose life is a train wreck, whose relationships are very chaotic and painful even. And you're a Christian and you just don't understand what's happening. You've gone to church, you've done all you should do, you believe, you give, you help out, and yet your life and your relationships are chaotic and painful. I would suggest to you that what's happening is that you're not hearing the whole counsel of God. And it's impossible to be whole with only a part of a gospel or some watered down, trimmed down, trimmed back, reductionist version of the gospel intended to be appealing to wanton sinners so that they'll come to church. But does not feed your soul, does not comfort you, does not strengthen you, does not grow you up in the Lord and bring you the righteousness, peace, and joy that is your birthright as a Christian. So consider what I'm saying here today. Let's, let's bear up and begin to feel the apostolic burden, the burden of concern for all the churches and concern that they preach the gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ and not some other man-made message. Thank you for listening. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Amen.